Hey, good morning, everybody. Thanks. Welcome back. Welcome to those of you joining us by video right now. I'm glad you're here. Hey, we've got ushers in both venues that are kind of up the aisles with Bibles, and if you'd like to use one, please feel free to borrow one from them during the service. You can put it back in the back of either one of our worship venues after the service today. Did you guys see the weather forecast? Did you see? It's going to be so warm, it's going to be freezing. Yeah, that's good news, right? What a sick place we live. That's good news. But you know what? I have better news than that for you today, as a matter of fact. We have been going for a few months now, as Dan said a little bit earlier in this venue, on a journey together called According to Luke, right? We've been reading the good news According to Luke. It's a story about Jesus' life, one of his biographies. It's good news because it tells us the story of Jesus' life, and we've been reading this together and learning from it together to learn just how good and beautiful and gracious and powerful Jesus is and to learn what kind of life Jesus is calling us into. When he says, come follow me, what's that life like? And so we've been reading that. And today we're going to press pause for the second time in this series and pause over a topic of life application, and that is a topic of brokenness and transformation in our lives. One thing I see when I read the story of Jesus' life and of the community that he formed around himself One thing that we're going to be learning about for the next few weeks is how Jesus called people out of their hiding, out of keeping their brokenness hidden and to themselves, and out into the open of his grace and his hope and his power for transformation. And I I know what that's like. I've experienced that. I know what it's like to be in hiding. I bet I'm not the only one, but I've got my own stories of hiding stuff. You know what? As I reflected on this, in preparation for the series, I recognize that one of the themes of, of hiding in my life, one of the ongoing themes, is how I hide my weakness, right? I hide my imperfections. When I, I feel, I think, ashamed when I don't know stuff that I'm supposed to know, or I think I'm supposed to know, because I think I'm supposed to be perfect already, or something like that, all right? So here's one silly story from years ago, 20 years ago, maybe. I was in a church, and I was volunteering with my church, and we were doing some landscaping, or I think we we installed some playground equipment once, it might have been part of that project, and one of the guys that I was working with uh, said something about a mattock, like go get the mattock, or I need to use the mattock, or I don't know what it was. Do you all know what a mattock, do you know what a mattock is? I didn't either, but I pretended that I did, right? And I don't know if he could see on my face that I didn't know what it was. He's like, you know, the, the tool, like it has a pick on one end and a flat blade on the other one. And I was like, yeah, I know what a mattock is, right? So I got the mattock and I brought it over, whatever happened, you know, I don't know. And it went on. I would totally have forgotten about that incident. It's pretty meaningless, except that it's typical of what I do. Until the next week, maybe it was even two weeks later, it was Sunday morning, same guy comes up to me to apologize to me for assuming that I didn't know what a mattock was, right? And what did I do? I accepted his apology. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's all right, don't worry about it, man, it's cool. We all make mistakes, right? So first I hid that I didn't know, and then I hid that I lied about not knowing because I hide my weakness, right? And I guess my failures too. I remember, not actually not very long after that, maybe, maybe five years after that or so, I was in graduate school. And uh, I went to graduate school to do some more study in history and theology, to learn more about the world that Jesus lived in, to learn more about the world that the Bible was written in so that I can understand it better from my life and help serve a community with that. 
And I, I specifically remember I spent a lot of hours in the academic library at Duke University. It was my home away from home. I had a study carol in the bottom left corner of the basement under the basement. That's where my study carol was. I remember this one place where there was this reference tool. I don't remember the name of it anymore. I might if I ever learned how to use it. <laughs> but there was this reference tool in the library that was a useful tool for learning more about the ancient world, the world Jesus lived in, the world the Bible was written in. I wish I knew how to use that. I don't. You know why? Because I was too ashamed to ask anybody. I wasn't willing to admit to anybody that I don't know how to do that because really everybody's born knowing how to use that stuff, right? But I wasn't willing. I'm, I'm in the place to learn it, being mentored by the teachers who are paid to teach people, and I won't ask them, right? Because I'm too embarrassed to admit what I don't know. Everybody hides stuff, right? That's my stuff. I hide stuff. I'm trying to get over it. I'm not there yet. Maybe you hide weakness too. Maybe you hide other things. I could go on. We could be here for days, me telling you all the stuff that's messed up about me. Sometimes it's our relationship stuff, right? Stuff that didn't work or doesn't work or ways we contribute to brokenness in our friendships, our relationships, marriages maybe. I'm getting old enough now that I can't count anymore the number of friends I know whose marriages broke up because they stayed in hiding until it was too late in their community and wouldn't reach out for help. Maybe it's psychological stuff, fear, anxiety, self-doubt. We, we hide that. We don't people know that about us because what would they think about us? Maybe they've probably never experienced that themselves, and so we hide that stuff, right? Maybe just failures in things you tried to do, accomplishments that turned out not to be accomplishments. Job losses can be embarrassing sometimes. Financial failures, you don't want people to see what that life is like, debt that got racked up, bad decisions made, stuff you're living with, ways, decisions you make right now. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot of stuff. Sin in our lives, wrong that we do, ways we've disobeyed God, rebelled against God, broken trust with other people. Man, we hide. It's a universal human condition. The Bible says that too, as a matter of fact. In the story of human origins at the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, is a story there of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In what's basically the last chapter of that story is a story of when they disobeyed God. God gave them one commandment. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. And they did, right? And the story says they used to have fellowship with God. The, the picture is drawn this way. They would walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that image. I would like to experience that. But then they disobeyed God, and, and they broke fellowship with God. And in the story, God comes looking, and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says to God, from behind a tree or bush or something somewhere, I was ashamed, and so I hid. So I hid. And we're all hiding stuff, right? I think we continue to do that to that day. We hide stuff, and it's killing us. It's not good for us. Because I think that we were made to be known by other people, to live in authentic community with other human beings in the presence of God. We were made to be known. We were made to be loved. We were made for belonging. But as far as I can tell, we will only experience that in the part of ourselves that we allow someone to know, right? We won't really be known in the part that we keep hidden. <laughs> we, we need to be loved, but it's hard for people to love a person that they haven't met, that they don't even know, to belong and to be accepted. And we can experience that in the part of ourselves that we'll let out, but the part of ourselves that we'll keep in, that we'll hide out of fear, we'll just continue to wonder. We'll continue to feel the anxiety. If they knew that about me, maybe they wouldn't love me anymore. 
Maybe I wouldn't belong anymore. Maybe I wouldn't be accepted anymore. So we'll continue to experience that anxiety, the part that we have inside. But we can experience grace and healing and hope and belonging and transformation to the degree that we bring ourselves to the grace of God and to his grace embodied in one another. And that is exactly what Jesus makes possible. That is exactly what I learn and the good news about Jesus, according to Luke. And I want to show you just the beginning of that today. If you have a Bible, open with me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4. I want to read you the first couple verses of a story today. It's Luke 4, 31 to 34. We're going to read. It's on page 1506 of your Quest Bibles. This is like one of the first stories, actually, in Jesus' adult ministry. Right after what I sometimes call his inaugural address, he kind of launches stuff, and then he goes out and does this. And I just want to read you. Read along with me. If you've got a Bible open, you can follow along. And tells us this. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum. This is a town in Galilee, right on the north shore of Lake Galilee. About a year ago, I was there with a group of 20 or so people from our church, right in this little village on the town on the north shore of Lake Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught to people, right? He was, and they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. He told them the truth clearly, the authority from God. And in the synagogue, Jesus, I mean, for lack of a better parallel, he went to church on Sunday. That's what Jesus was doing. It was the synagogue on Saturday, but it's a lot like what you're doing right now. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. In church, people, right? It's always been the case that God's people were a place for the broken. We're not a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. And that's been true at least since the time of Jesus. There was a man there, and he cried out at the top of his voice to Jesus, Go away! Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, if we would keep reading that story, and I'll talk about it in just a second, we would find that it's a story of tremendous rescue and healing and transformation. But before we can get there, we need to pause and spend a little time over this part right here at the beginning. This powerful question that is asked of Jesus. First, go away, and then what do you want with us? Now, if you were to read a variety of English translations of that passage, of that story, you would find that question rendered in a wide variety of ways. Different translators trying to capture the meaning or the spirit, if you will, of what's being said there. But I want to show you just the most literal possible translation. So literal, it's actually bad English, but this is what it looks like. This would be it right here. What to us and to you? I even got to put a verb in because it's not there. What is there? to us and to you. What could possibly be in common? What overlap could there possibly be that is both to us and to you? What could you have in common with me? Or rendered here in the NIV, what do you want with us? What, 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 what truck would you have with us? What overlap would there be here? I think that's the question that we wonder in our brokenness, right? What, what could this have in common with anybody else? This, I'm alone in this. And that's the most dangerous moment. I think that's the critical, dangerous, toxic moment in our brokenness and in our shame is the moment that we begin to believe the lie that it's just us, that we're alone in this, right? What, what could God possibly have in common with this? I can't bring this out to God. What could other people, my Christian friends, they wouldn't even understand this. They don't experience that. What could they, what could be to me and to them, Right? That's the moment, that's the lie, the dangerous, destructive lie. We think that about our wounds, right? Stuff that's been broken in us, stuff that's been done to us, the, the self-doubt, the fear, the imperfections. 
the stuff into me. Like, nobody else would understand that. I'm the only one who does that. Everybody else is more honest. They're more transparent. They're more real. They're more confident. I'm the problem. We start to believe that, and it's toxic to us, right? We think about our failures. I screwed that up. I can't. If people knew that stuff about me, I mean, they act like they like me. We're friends. But if they knew that about me, they would never understand. It's never happened to them. I'm the one who's messed up. Man, that's a lie. And that is the toxic lie that kills us. And I don't think that lie comes from you. I don't think, it comes from, I don't think that lie comes from God. I think that lie comes to us from the enemy. That's a lie from the devil, from the father of lies himself. And I think that, for one reason, because it kind of feels that way, but a lot more importantly, because I think that's what it says here in the story. Who says that in the story? Who says, what's to us and to you? What do you want? What do you have in common with me? That's the evil spirit inside of this guy saying that, that we're all alone and we get lost in this toxic shame and this brokenness. But I think we can overcome that lie. I think Jesus can overcome that lie in us, and it, we can overcome it with this truth, with this truth. If, you, if you're note-takers, would you write down these two words? This is what I want you to remember from today, and for the series, it can be foundational, these words, grace and power, the grace and power of Jesus in particular. Let me try to describe this for a minute. You guys may not know this about me, but I'm an incredible artist, so I'm going to draw something for you here. That's not true. I'm just kidding. That's not true. All right. Let me, let me draw for you something about the grace and power of Jesus. Can we put this up on the screen? I want people to be able to see this on both sides. There we go. Good. All right. Think of, think of grace for a second as a big line over here, okay, with, with like lots of grace over here and no grace over here, okay? If we trust the high, powerful grace of Jesus, then what we're going to do is we are going to be empowered to be honest. We're going to come out of hiding. We can be our real selves, and that will lead to belonging in a community of other broken, honest Christ followers. Okay? If we, however, do not really trust the grace of Jesus, then we're going to do what I sometimes do, what you sometimes do, that results from a deficiency of trust in the grace of Jesus, and that is we are still going to hide. And as long as we hide, we are still going to be alone. And those things are directly correlated to each other. The more we hide, the more alone that we are, right? This is grace of Jesus, right? And I said power. We're going to focus more on power in future weeks, but I want to draw this for you right now. When we trust and experience the power of Jesus, we will experience healing, and that can come in a whole variety of ways. We're going to talk about that. And sometimes it comes in Jesus giving us the power to endure, right? Sometimes what's hurting, broken about us, the Lord doesn't take away right away, but gives us the healing of endurance and gives us the strength to go through it. Now, the other thing, if we, don't if we don't trust in the power of Jesus, instead of healing, and I could write the word hope up there, instead, we're going to feel despair, and we're just going to be stuck, right? And you might think to yourself, where am I on this spectrum, Right? I mean, because you could live anywhere. You could live where you're hiding stuff and don't trust the pot and you're way down here, maybe some of the other quadrants. But here, this is what I want to tell you. This is the truth that you need to know for this series that we're a part of right now. Jesus, his life is up here. Jesus is high grace and he is high power. If that weren't true, then we wouldn't call it the good news about Jesus according to Luke, right? That's the good news. That's who he is. And Jesus invites us to know him and to follow him up here, trusting in his grace 
and trusting in his power, coming out of hiding, being part of a community where we belong, and experiencing the hope that his power brings us. And, and that's true right now, and it was true in the story that we're reading right now. It was true through his life on this earth. I'm going to move this aside for a second. In the story that we read, if we keep reading further verses, we find out that he brought real rescue to this guy. And then there was another healing that Jesus did for Peter's mother-in-law. And then all of a sudden, all kinds of broken people were flocking to Jesus. In fact, there's kind of a verse a little bit later in that passage that says people brought to him people who were sick with all kinds of various diseases, brokenness. The word is weakness in the passage there. Jesus attracted broken, weak people like a magnet. They flocked to him because they experienced this in him. And partly they saw the power of his healing and Jesus healed them. And, but we focus on that so much that I think we often forget the first part, which is essential, which is the willingness to bring our brokenness to him in the first place, which is the trusting in his grace to come out of hiding and say, this is the real me. And this is where I need the power of your spirit and the power of your people in my life. And I want to ask you, what do you need to bring to Jesus? A wise person once said this. They said, to be loved but not known is shallow, right? I mean, people can love the part of us that they know, but it's not really us. It's not really satisfying to the soul. It doesn't really do anything to us. To be loved and not known is shallow. To be known and then not loved is one of our greatest fears. Right? I think that's what keeps us in hiding because we're afraid that if somebody knows us, they might not love us. But to be known and loved heals the human heart. Here's the good news for you. Jesus knows you. You're not hiding from him. You only think that you are. Jesus knows you and loves you anyway. And he creates a community of people in his image where we can truly know one another and be known by one another and love and be loved together. I want to ask you what in your life it is that you have a tendency to hide that you think you're hiding it from God, you're keeping it to yourself, and you're hiding it from trusted Christian community, from trusted friends. I'm not telling you to tell your darkest secrets to the first person you meet on the street, or even the person all the way across the room that you've never even met before. But within trusted Christian community, what are you still hiding that's causing you to continue not to experience the grace and the belonging of Christian community, the grace and the power of God in Jesus Christ? In, in just a second, I'm gonna invite us to close in prayer. And we're going to do it this way. Uh, you don't have to do it yet if your arms get tired, but I'm going to ask you to hold one, maybe let's call it your left hand, to hold one hand open to God and, and to use this hand as a hand of release. Say, God, I've been hiding this stuff and I've been holding on to it. But Jesus came to people and said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, cast your cares on me, it says in 1 Peter. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, right? So we're going to give that to the Lord, whatever these things are, bring it out of hiding to him. One of the ways that we do this, we come out of hiding, is bringing it directly to the Lord Jesus in prayer. Another way that we do it is by bringing it to, bringing it to the Lord Jesus in his community. Right? There's, there's a powerful verse in the book of Galatians, and this is what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Right? We bring it to Jesus directly. We also bring it to the spirit of Jesus in one another in the community that he creates in his image. And it helps us to experience the grace of Jesus when we experience it embodied in one another. And, and who are those people to whom you can be your real self? Right? 
here in our church community. Our growth groups are a fantastic environment for that. I've got mine meeting at 4 o'clock this afternoon. I'm looking forward to a reunion after a few weeks off at Christmas to grow in the spirit and the grace of Jesus together. Some hundreds of you will also do that this week. Others of you are looking for an opportunity to join one this month. Or maybe it's other additional Christian friendships that you're a part of where you've cultivated some trust and you can be your real self with them. And so with the other hand in prayer, what we're going to do is we're going to say, and Jesus, as I can be real with you, I, am, I will bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. I will be that people for others. By your spirit in me, I'll be that safe place. I'll be that grace place for others. I'll tell you what, you guys. I think, I think we need this. I think all of our hearts need a God like this. I think all of our hearts need a community like this. You know, I was thinking as I watched the kids gather for the children's sermon up here, how much children and youth, teens growing up today need a community like this, where we can be honest, where we can come out of hiding and not put our best self forward all the time, but to know that we can be known and loved. I think the world needs a community like this, because I think the devil's having a great time breaking our hearts and breaking our relationships and convincing us that we're alone, but God made us to be a people of grace and power in Jesus Christ together. And I, for one, want to live in that. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and we're going to give this stuff to the Lord and commit our lives to be in Christ for one another. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you know. <laughs> you already know. And you are, like a, you are like a broken person magnet. You come into this world with such grace, with such love, and with such power. People flock to you. And you have come here among us. And I pray that you would increase our trust in your grace. And that as we think we're hiding stuff from you, as we close our hands over our stuff, that you would open them up and cause us to be open-handed and open-hearted with you. You know the truth. And we give it to you right now. That weakness, that pain, that imperfection that is a heavy burden to us, you invite us to come to you all of us who are weary and heavy burdened. And that just might be all of us. We trust you. We trust you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come into every heart, that you would come into every life, that you would draw us into your life. And I pray you would give us that experience of acceptance from you. And it will never go away because we didn't earn it. You just brought it to us by your grace and that you would do that healing work in our hearts. And God, with our other hand, we say we'll be that people. Your spirit in us, by you, by your presence in us, we'll be that people together. We'll be a community of grace to one another. We'll bear one another's burdens. And I pray that you would heal our hearts and make us healers. As you show us grace, that you'd make us to be grace people to one another. We lay down before you any critical spirit, any judgmentalism that might still be in us. And we pray that you would make us people of powerful grace, people of healing for one another. And God, I pray that you would do your work in our church, in your church here and in every corner of the world, that you would make your church to be a powerful light that shines with your light of authenticity, honesty, hope and healing for your world. We love you because you first loved us. And Jesus, we dare to pray in your own name. Amen.